Support for the Legislative Gazette comes from New York State United Teachers, working to support students, educators, and public schools as the center of their communities with Public Schools Unite Us initiative and United University Professions, representing 37,000 academic and professional employees at SUNY campuses and teaching hospitals across New York State. Frederick E. Cole, President, UUPinfo.org. Governor Kathy Hochul confirms that she summoned Tom Suozzi, the official Democratic nominee to replace George Santos in Congress, to come to Albany to meet with her before the party agreed to nominate him to run in the February 13th special election. The Legislative Gazette's Karen DeWitt reports. Swazi, who for six years held the congressional seat recently occupied by Santos, decided in 2022 to challenge Hochul in the Democratic primary for governor. Swazi, in his campaign, referred to Hochul as an interim governor. Hochul replaced Andrew Cuomo, who resigned in disgrace in 2021. He also disparaged the governor and her husband, a former U.S. attorney who was counsel to the Delaware North Corporation as fostering a culture of corruption. He also ran ad saying Hochul was soft on crime, a tactic also used by Hochul's Republican opponent in a close general election that year. A report in the New York Times says Hochul made numerous demands on Swazi in the meeting, including that he strongly back abortion rights and that he would not run a campaign that undermines the state's Democratic Party. The governor, speaking to reporters on Wednesday, confirmed that she called the meeting, but says it was to determine whether Swazi would indeed be the best candidate to take back the seat and help Democrats eventually regain control of the House. Our responsibility is to take back the House of Representatives from the, from the Santos-type Republican Party and to make sure that Hakeem Jeffries is the speaker. And I wanted to see polling. I want to talk about a strategy. I want to know uh, what his chance of success would be because we had to put forth the strongest candidate in that district to start bringing back uh, New York State bringing back more people who are elected who are Democrats. We need that desperately, and we'll be partners with President Biden. Hochul did acknowledge that Swazi apologized to her for saying that her family was corrupt. That was an important conversation uh, to clear the air in one respect. So it was in his interest to make sure the conversation went well. Swazi, who has ties to House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries and is an ally of State Democratic Party Chair Jay Jacobs, was nominated late this week to run in the February 13th special election. And as other races for 2024 heat up, Westchester County Executive George Latimer announced he'll primary Representative Jamal Bowman over Bowman's criticism of Israel's conduct in the ongoing conflict with Hamas. Hochul says she won't be taking sides in that fight. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. You are listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York State government and politics. I'm David Gustina. This week, I sat down with Ed Cox, chairman of the New York State Republican Party, to ask him about George Santos being expelled from Congress and who the Republicans are lining up to run for the seat. If Santos was expelled, and you know, by the way, our leadership voted against it as a matter of principle. There have only been five people to date, he's the sixth, who have been expelled from the House of Representatives. 
three, because they were associated with the Confederacy uh, during the Civil War. The other two were actually convicted of crimes. And Santos, innocent until proven guilty, has not yet been convicted. So as a matter of principle, once you do this, it raises a bigger issue. How about other people who have lied about on their resume and actually believe their lies like Santos did? For example, Mrs. Clinton believed that she was under fire in Bosnia. Senator Blumenthal actually believed that he served in Vietnam, and he didn't. She wasn't under fire in Bosnia. Now, let's go to the President of the United States. He's not one of 435 members of the House of Representatives like Santos. He is the President of the United States, and he actually believes that he comes from a coal mining family, that he was a coal miner himself that he was a truck driver, that he grew up in a Puerto Rican neighborhood, that he graduated at the top of his class in Syracuse when he was at the bottom. I can go on about the lies that Biden has, President Biden, has said about himself and the way he has falsified his, his resume, the way he had to res- lead a presidential campaign because he plagiarized. He believed that what he was saying was his when actually it had been borrowed from uh, another politician. And for corruption, he's Mr. 10% now, it's clear. He has been getting funds for his private account from our foreign enemies, from Russia, from China, from foreign countries through his son, Hunter. And that is now clear and it has shown it and the money was washed through a whole bunch of fake companies that the funds went from one to the one to the other in order to cover up their foreign origin. So if you're talking about some people leaving, being forced to get out of government, it should be the president of the United States as well as Santos. He's Mr. 10%. He gets 10% of the funds because it's his influence that raises those funds that Hunter Biden never did anything for one way or the other. They were sums from foreign governments in order to curry influence with Vice President or President Biden. I would argue that all lying would be bad and that we could probably find mitstrews and lying with any politician we reach out to and no, talk to. Sure. However, no, however, no, let me just finish I, this. I, let me, I, I, Ed, 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 Ed I, let me just ask you. Let me just ask you because I think you're going to like what I'm about yeah. to say. The issue here is with Santos, George Santos, right? He was elected by the people, and we've seen other politicians, like in Connecticut, for example, and other places we've covered on WAMC, where the same thing has happened. So on one level, I think your argument has some merit that he was elected by the people. He should be voted out by the people. Yes, unless you're convicted of a crime, which was the standard until now. Look. I'm just making a point about the President of the United States. Impeachment process is about to start. That's going to really be talking about his corruption through his family and the corrupt funds that he has raised. So this is all be coming out through the impeachment process in the House of Representatives. He is the President of the United States. He does decide what our foreign policies will be. He does decide how we will defend ourselves. And Lord knows we have enemies now who are in many ways attacking our allies. If you take a look at Iran, 
that has backed Hamas and Hamas, a terrorist organization that went in and brutalized in the most terrible way the people of Israel. And then you find, because of foreign influences and others here, that there is support for that here in the United States. And Elise Stefanik made that quite clear in her questioning of the presence of Harvard and other major universities. There is a number of issues here that are very important to the country that have to be addressed. Now let's get back to New York, because that's what we have to talk about. You have a race, a congressional seat open. What's going on with the Republican Party? Who do they want to see run for that seat? <laughs> they, uh, I appreciate your t- We have a superb county organization led by Chairman Joe Cairo in Nassau. I don't know if you noticed that the cover of Newsday announcing the results of the November 7th election, the cover, Newsday painted it red. And that's a big switch again for Long Island. Big switch. Huge, huge. For the first time in 40 years, the Republican Party controls all the countywide town cities uh, 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 in Nassau County and also in Suffolk County. It's quite extraordinary particularly since the majority of the voters in those counties have been turning Democratic over a long period of time. And those Democrats and independents are now taking a look and saying, oh, no, uh, we don't like the direction that the Democratic-controlled legislature in Albany is going. We don't like the national policies of the Biden administration. And you find that, that they have voted Republican big time in the ultimate suburb, the first suburb uh, in the United States so with Levittown and all that. That is Long Island. Uh, so those victories on Long Island are huge. But we also had great victories on November 7th going up the Hudson Valley and uh, across uh, from the cities of Troy to Utica and down to uh, down to Binghamton. Uh, It is really quite an extraordinary way the Republican Party has won major victories in local elections on November 7th. So you got a name? Anybody that you're thinking of? I see a name here, Maisie Melissa Phillip, which is in Politico today for a potential shortlist for Santo. The point I was making is that Chairman Cairo has the votes that are necessary to nominate whomever he deems and his organization deems to be the proper uh, uh, candidate on the Republican side for the third congressional district in the special election, which the governor has called. And uh, he is interviewing, it's between the two dozen, maybe 30 candidates. And he, he has a committee that's going through that process. There is part of that district that is also Queens, so the chairman of the Queens Party is participating in it. As uh, Chairman Cairo told me when I was out there over the weekend, he said, you never know. A candidate may come out of nowhere and say, that's the perfect candidate. There are several candidates who are sort of the leaders, you might say, as part of it. But he does want to be sure that everyone gets the proper uh, a treatment, not just like the governor did with uh, with Swazi uh, and and just sit down with them, 
settle their differences because, as you know, Swazi challenged the governor and rather <laughs> said some pretty difficult things about her during sure. their primary process. They and she called him out on it. Yes, but they're not going through the same process that Chairman Cairo is of looking at other candidates and getting a, a sense of who would be the very best candidate and someone who is really extraordinary may pop out who he who Chairman Cairo did not know. That's why he is such an effective leader. And uh, that's why we're going to win that congressional district back, because Chairman Cairo, together with the chair of uh, the Queen's Party, are working together with a committee to talk to, I think it's up to 30 potential candidates uh, to find who the correct one uh, to put up against the hand-picked only candidate, not considering any other one, uh, just saying, oh, Tom Swazi is the right one. Uh, that's not the way they should go about. That's not the way a party should make a decision. They should go through the process of making sure that others who were interested are properly treated. <laughs> what happened? To, what happened to email? <laughs> well, it is an email. Yeah, I mean, you're okay. right. You're right. Yeah, it was an email. Right. Okay, and it uh, came from. Okay, here it is. It came from JD from Diamond Point, New York. And he wrote to me a while back, but he heard you on the program, and we were talking about bail reform and crime and violent crime and gun violence. And he wrote to me and he said, listen to this, Ed. Why let him get away with such mischaracterizations? New York does not have higher crime than other states. And he sent me a list of states and territories and the violent crime rate. And since then, I've seen some other stories coming out, more local involved, of how we're seeing some of that crime drop. So how would you answer, J.D.? They are right. There are some places like Chicago and some play other places where crime is worse, the murder rate is worse. Uh, but in general, crime here, and particularly in the cities of New York State, is higher than it has been before COVID. And before the actions of the Biden administration, which with respect to the open southern border, and with respect to the changes that have been made by the Democrats who control Albany with respect to our laws. And particularly with the cashless bail process, we unfortunately are the only state in the United States where a judge cannot take consideration of whether or not someone who's been arrested should be released on his recognizance or in the bail, whether or not that person is dangerous to society. We just can't do that in New York State. We are the only state where the judges cannot consider whether someone who they might release from an arrest because they are dangerous. That's Ed Cox chairman of the New York State Republican Party. You are listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York State government and politics. I'm David Gustina. College campuses have seen some of the nation's most vociferous protests since the start of the Hamas-Israel war two months ago. But how is the war changing things inside the classroom? The Legislative Gazette's Alexander Babby reports. SUNY Chancellor Dr. John King recently spoke on WAMC's Capital Connection, saying the system is doing everything it can to protect students. We, for example made sure in the immediate aftermath of, of the attack uh, to provide 
additional campus security at Shabbat services. We want students to feel safe. King says the SUNY system is keeping eyes open for ways to support those impacted and says to that end, $10 million was dedicated system-wide to support expanded mental health services. Dr. Victor Assal of the University at Albany's Political Science Department says a peaceful solution is likely a two-state one, a prospect that the new war has dampened. Until we have the right leaders in order to solidify the creation of a Palestinian state in the West Bank and Gaza and a peace agreement that really lasts, we're going to be in this problematic situation. So I think we're going we're to stay in this kind of situation until we either have a full-scale war of destruction uh, or we have a final agreement where the country is, the, the region is divided up into two separate states. That doesn't mean that there can't be peace, but Assal says there needs to be the right leadership in place. I don't think Netanyahu is the right leader for Israel for that agreement to happen. And Hamas, given its uh, stated goal, uh, is definitely not the right leadership uh, for the Palestinians. Assal teaches a class on the Israel-Palestine conflict. I first uh, explained to the students the history of the conflict. I present to them the Israeli perspective, the Palestinian perspective, and then I divide them up into different um, factions within Israel and different factions within Palestine, and they have to try and negotiate a, uh, a peace agreement. Assal says that doesn't often happen, but when it does... The kind of negotiation agreements they come to are uh, usually related to uh, the Palestinians getting all of the West Bank, or 98% of the West Bank, and, is, and also all of Gaza. But when it comes to the city of Jerusalem, Assal says students are divided. Assal says the conflict is spurred by competing religious claims to the land. Dr. Len Cutler of Siena College's Political Science Department and other Siena professors recently held a teach-in on the conflict. In my capstone course, I teach international human rights and uh, humanitarian law, and I cover the laws of war. I'm pre-law advisor at Siena College, too. So have the opportunity to, in fact, engage and interact with the students, providing uh, specific case studies which uh, focus on this very issue. And quite obviously, uh, Israel would be, uh, Israel and the Hamas situation would be part of that discussion. Dr. Carter Carter, an assistant professor of clinical psychology at Massachusetts College of Liberal Arts, is currently on parental leave, but normally teaches on psychological disorders and trauma counseling, among others. Single incident trauma would be something like if you were in a car accident, right, or if you were otherwise living an ordinary life and then there was a distinct bounded episode where something disturbing happened to you. Um, that, that differs from, a, from what we call complex trauma, which is uh, situations where this, the baseline circumstances are traumatic and disturbing. Uh, so that's things like uh, living in an abusive marriage, but that also extends to living under conditions of pervasive war and conflict. Carter says even as a person of Jewish heritage, he sees Israel's actions in Gaza as tantamount to genocide. The nature of the conversation we're having as a, as a country in the United States seems to be markedly different. Carter returned for NCLA's recent symposium entitled How to Speak About Peace. We've been offering a series of events trying to help students uh, 
and for the community members who want to join us, contextualize and think through and uh, mostly ask questions about these events. Um, it can sometimes feel for people like the the barrier to entry in terms of prior knowledge is really high. It can feel like you're not entitled to have an opinion if you don't know, you know, every single fact that some other person imagines you should know. Carter says peaceful resolution requires people to understand their opponent's perspective. In many cases, Palestinians are being placed outside of the sphere of people who deserve to be treated with empathic understanding. Carter says Israel is treating civilian Palestinians the way Jews were treated in World War II. Assal says both sides in the war have acted badly. There needs to be a much stronger effort by the United States and other countries to push towards uh, something where um, you can get both parties to agree to an agreement that both of them can exist. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm Alexander Babby. Listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York State government and politics. I'm David Gustina. A city with a century and a half of racing history, Saratoga Springs has seen almost everything on the track, from upsets to dead heats. But June will bring something new to the spa, the third leg of the Triple Crown. The Legislative Gazette's Aaron Shella Levine with more. The highly anticipated announcement came Wednesday after months of speculation over where the Belmont Stakes will be run while a $455 million construction project at its 117-year-old home track on Long Island is underway. New York Governor Kathy Hochul made it official, announcing a short racing festival to begin June 6th at the longtime August place to be. It's good we have at least an alternative to, instead of shutting down Belmont completely, that we can take the races elsewhere in the state. Democratic Mayor Ron Kim says the city has the experience to run the Belmont weekend, including the marquee race on Saturday, June 8th, without a hitch. Our local government, our business people, our nonprofits, they've all come together whenever we've had a challenge like this. And I'm certain that um, we'll, we'll be doing that in the coming months. Um, with the, both the local government planning for, you know, uh, safety, crowd control, et cetera. We do this a lot, so there, there's, part of it is very familiar. Naira spokesman Pat McKenna says there's plenty of time to prepare. We work in collaboration with not only the city of Saratoga Springs, but its business community, local leadership, elected officials. We have had incredibly productive conversations beginning in October, and those will continue throughout the next four or five months in anticipation of a mega event in Saratoga. And there is no town that can walk and chew gum quite like Saratoga. We see it each and every summer. McKenna said that more details about tickets and weekend packages will be announced in the new year. Saratoga County Chamber of Commerce President Todd Shimkis says the racing festival will bring tremendous economic benefits to Saratoga Springs and surrounding communities. I think it might have been the worst kept secret in Saratoga's history. <laughs> but, um, and the good news is what this means for us is this is like hosting the Super Bowl. You know, this is 
about tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people coming to the region, not just Saratoga Springs, um, four days in June of 24 and, and again in 25. Naira has not confirmed that the Belmont Stakes will be in Saratoga Springs in 2025. Shimkis expects the race will fill Saratoga's 50,000 fan limit and draw large crowds to the area throughout the weekend. President of the New York Thoroughbred Horsemen's Association, Joe Applebaum, says that the Spa City must attend to the needs of racetrack and training staff. How do we make sure that there's enough horse-related staff that can give proper care to the horses, right? How do we make sure uh, that it's affordable for our staff, that there's a place for them to stay, um, and that, you know, they can do their jobs? That's really our focus, less on the celebration, right? We want to focus, you know, really on the horse care and the ability of our trainers especially to function In a statement to WAMC, Public Safety Commissioner-elect Tim Cole said both the city's fire and police departments are in communication with Naira security and law enforcement partners and that additional training exercises will occur to ensure their preparedness for the landmark event. Saratoga Racecourse, which runs a 40-day meet from late July through Labor Day, has never operated in June. New York Thoroughbred Breeders Executive Director Naja Thompson says the Belmont's benefit to the Saratoga Springs season will be tremendous. You know, it's just uh, the chance for uh, the wider nation to get more eyes and focus on Saratoga, the great fans, the horsing history that's in the town. You know, health, history, and horses is the motto of Saratoga Springs. And to be able to display that with national coverage at a Triple Crown race at our historic facility is just a tremendous opportunity. Speaking with WAMC on opening day of the 2023 summer season, racing fan Owen Pennant-Jones welcomed the idea but expressed concerns over the race's distance. The Belmont is a one-and-a-half-mile race but will be run at one-and-a-quarter miles instead due to the configuration of Saratoga's main track. This would be the place to run it, but but don't shorten the distance. It's got to be a mile-and-a-half. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've often thought Saratoga could probably run a spring meet as well, um, but there's something special about the summer place to be. But if you got to run the Belmont somewhere else, I would say Saratoga, absolutely the place to do it. The purse is being raised to $2 million. Reporting on the campus of Skidmore College, this is Aaron Shello-Levine. And that about does it for this week's show. The Legislative Gazette is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. We had help from the New York State Public Radio Network. You can listen to the Legislative Gazette anytime at WAMCpodcast.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Look for program number 2349. And join us again next week at this same time for more news on New York State government and politics. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm David Gustina. Support for the Legislative Gazette comes from United University Professions, representing 37,000 academic and professional employees at SUNY campuses and teaching hospitals across New York State. Frederick E. Cole, President, UUPinfo.org.